hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny for those who are willing to open their hearts to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. Luke chapter 12, we are in a series that we uh, have entitled, and I say we, like someone else has something to do with this, that I have entitled, King and Kingdom. And I, I got to tell you that as I see things happening, manifesting and changing in our world, I am... I'm so blessed by how the Father is always leading us beside still waters Amen. and into green pastures. Amen. I've, been, I've been declaring into for at least three years, two for sure, into going into this, uh, this new age that I call the Great Awakening. And... As of probably the last six months, there's been a ton of folks in the body of Christ that are way more, I don't know, prophetic or, or cool than me, I guess, that have, that have started to declare into the thing, which, you know, honestly, for a while there, I thought I was like on the moon doing my own thing, but then when I started hearing some of these other folks declaring into these truths, I was super blessed. Because we are legitimately in the Great Awakening. Amen. Now, all of the manifestations of that have yet to manifest. But the more people that embrace that and believe that, the more likely that is to happen and happen more quickly. Be it unto you according to your faith. If you believe that we are still under the oppression and depression of a jacked up governmental system and a big mean devil with a pitchfork and flames coming out of his ears, then you can have whatever it is that you believe. If you want to be sick and broke and oppressed and depressed, you are free to be that way. That is, that is your choice. Jesus in his blood purchased choice. You did not have a free will until the sun set you free. And I know people like to use that term a lot, and I don't correct people when they do it around me, but there is no such thing as free will before you're born again. Because he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So if you're not free indeed from the Son, you're not free. And so you don't have free will until the Son gives it to you. Prior to the Son giving you free will, you have personal choice. And it's mostly a derivative of I, me, and your father, Satan. It's not actually free choice because you don't have the freedom to choose the things of God. Amen. It's, it's a radical concept, and you don't have to embrace it. That's fine. It could just be my thing. But this great awakening is going to manifest for you to the degree that you're going to believe for these things. That's right. Me personally? Oh, man, I just stepped off into it. I don't know if I want to. Maybe I do. 
Uh, my vision. Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, there's actually a spiritual principle that you don't want to, like, put your stuff out there because then people can come by and be naysayers and tell you that you're an idiot. And, and they'll mess with your dreams and your visions, and then you've got to fight harder for it. And so it's not that, I, that I'm scared to tell people my vision. It's because I don't want people to bring their unbelief to me and say, oh, come on, Pastor, let's believe at a regular level. I know, because it's not like my father can create a universe and part a sea. Right? Right. I'm believing, I'm just going to say, I'm believing for some big stuff. I, just, I don't feel a release to, to, say, uh, to say specifics, but I'm telling you that I'm believing for really super huge big stuff. Um, and it's going to take thousands and thousands of more people in that vision just to make it to start to manifest, which is awesome because that means that that's what God's plan is. Amen. Amen. And you're welcome to be a part of that or you're welcome to go do your own thing. People like to do their own thing. Um, But either way, I pray that you are believing for what the Father wants to do in this time in your life. To get there, one of the the greatest opportunities that the Father has given us to truly trust and believe Him, the word trust is in the Greek, the Greek word pitho. And pitho is the root of, for the Greek word pistis, and pistis is the word that's translated faith. So for those of you that are struggling with faith, you're actually not struggling with faith. You have Your faith doesn't get stronger or weaker. It doesn't get bigger or smaller. Amen. You have been given the measure of faith, and it is the exact same faith that Jesus Christ has. Right. Galatians 2.20 says that, I've been crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The faith of the Son of God, not in, of. That's, that's important. You actually have his faith. He measured it out to you. That's what it says in... Uh, in Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2, I believe, that you have been given the measure of faith. His measure. And that's important because if the Father is expecting you to be as He is, so are you in this world, well then obviously you have to have the same tools that He has. And that tooling is faith. So you do not have a faith problem. Those of you that are struggling to believe for or manifest something, it's not a faith problem. It's a trust problem. Or it's an unbelief problem. Trust is relationship and intimacy. And I'll be honest with you. It it is a... um, There's a pandemic in the body of Christ for folks that really don't want to be intimate with God. I have... I've done everything but literally command and chain people to a wall and say, will you please stop doing all your stuff and just sit in God's presence? And they can't do it. I'm telling you, they cannot. 
They, it, if, I mean, a bunch of folks, like if they are not doing a hundred things and they got 47 things on the calendar and they're going a hundred miles an hour and they got stuff and things, it's like they can't even survive. And it is the literal opposite of Jesus. Jesus was kind of like, uh, I gotta do some stuff. Let's hurry up and get these disciples all wore out so they pass out and then I can go hang out with my father. Intimacy is where trust comes from. Kay and I have spent 26 years together, and I've made a a wreck out of our marriage, and I've learned to love her. And in all of that, what we have developed, her and I, is intimacy. And we can have conversations without words. We've been in rooms before, and we can have conversations without words. That's intimacy. And the Father wants to be that way with us, where he can converse necessarily without words. And you can get there. Jesus was there. He lived there. He said, everything I see my Father say, I do. Yeah, that's a radical statement. That means everything that Jesus did and everything Jesus said was precisely his Father's. That's why Jesus could infinitely trust that the miraculous and supernatural power that he needed in whatever moment for whatever thing that he was presented with would manifest without doubt. That's intimacy. Trust. The other thing that hinders our faith is unbelief. Unbelief is an opposing force to faith. And what unbelief is, is the scientists and the doctors telling you you're going to die from COVID. Giving you all the science and all the medical journals that they have to recant all the stories because they know that they're filled with lies. And then real scientists go and figure out that they're filled with lies and then they've got to pull the story back. But it's too late because they already put unbelief in everybody's heart. That is contrary to, by his stripes you are healed. By his stripes you are healed is an eternal, supernatural truth. Amen. You're going to get COVID and die is literally a lie. But if you tell a lie long enough, yeah. loud enough, and repetitively enough, you will convince a person that this is more true than this. And that's called unbelief. And this will pull your faith into sickness and disease. That's the opposing fourth of unbelief. That is why it is imperative for you to, first off, shoot the TV with a hollow point. If you don't have one, I'll be happy to do it. Because <laughs> it is telling you a vision. And their vision for you is for you to be sickly, broke, defeated, and eventually dead. So they will tell you that vision on the television over and over and over until you embrace it. And the Father has spoken words. And they're in your hands right now, for those of you that are crazy enough to actually have a Bible. And those words, Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are 
spirit. They are life. Well, that's just a cool scripture that we all quote. Proverbs 4.20 says that you should take these words as medicine. Now, there are probably people in this room, don't wave at me or anything, so we don't, nobody needs to know, but there are people in this room that you have had a physician who has prescribed to you a medication. And you believe, trust the physician, his opinion, you trust the medication that he has prescribed to you, and you take it when directed. If you did that in the kingdom, if you just did that process where you trusted the great physician and you took his word as the prescription for your life and you took it as directed, you would have the eternal benefits of those truths or you can have the medicine. And by the way, most of you know that some of these medications, you know, you probably heard people, well, if you ever get on heart medicine, if you ever get on diabetes medicine, you're just on it for the rest of your life. Yeah, and, it, and you're going to have to get more and more and more and more and more because your body eventually is going to work around it. The cool thing about this is that you can get stronger and stronger and stronger. It's infinite. Over here, eventually, you just get to the point where they can't give you no more because it's shutting down other organs. Over here, the more you get. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Like Superman on steroids. Man, that's a good day. If you actually took it that way, you would have the manifestations of the king and the kingdom happening in your life. And the the reason that I entitled this this way is because the king and the kingdom are both really important concepts that we need to embrace with our hearts. It is our king. But it's not just that. And, and I don't know why uh, folks are this way, but it's like they, they kind of just get this one thing and they latch onto that and then that's their thing for about 22 years. And you need to understand that there is the, the reality of the king and you need to adore the king because he adores you first. And you need to be willing and humble to bow at his feet and allow him to be king But then there's also this outflow of the kingdom. And I think I've actually come, I've grown on this uh, over time that there's a lot of folks that come into the body of Christ or Christianity because they see the gospel, the good news of the things that Jesus A has done for you and B wants to provide for you. And it is awesome, y'all. I mean, it is beyond awesome. The things that he's done for you and the things that he wants to do for you. uh, I don't, (laughs) I don't have the adjectives to properly tell you (laughs) how amazing that is. But what happens is that I think sometimes folks hear a message like that. And so then what they do is from self-centeredness and selfishness, they say, well, okay. I'm going to have that. And then they're going to focus their entire belief system around what they can get. And then you miss it. You miss it completely. Because it's not about what you can get. It's about what you can give. 
And if you're not embracing the the power and the opportunity of this kingdom that He wants to plant into you and place into you, so that you have to give to Him that has need, then you have not truly understood the impetus behind Jesus. Jesus didn't come so that his father could say, wow, Jesus, you are, you really showed off. You really showed them how amazing you were. Way to go. It's no wonder everybody just loves the name of Jesus. No. Jesus came to pour himself completely out for every single human being. And because of it, the father honored him. I want to show you these truths as we develop the message for today. In Luke chapter 12, these are our core, these are our core scriptures. And starting in verse 29, this is Jesus saying, And seek not what you shall eat, what you shall drink. Isn't this some of those manifestations of the things that draw people into the kingdom? Hey, Jesus will fix my finances. Yep. Great. I'm going to come to the kingdom, and this is going to be my new uh, multi-network marketing scheme. (laughs) No. No. Seek not what you shall eat, what you shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. I, I like how the Lord combines doubt in your thinking and the pursuit of the natural things that you think you need. This is is an important, important revelation. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And the word nations is ethnos and is talking about the people that are not of the generation of Christ. Natural humanity has no choice but to seek after these things because they have no Heavenly Father. And I know that that's offensive to just a ton of quote-unquote spiritual people because you hear all the time, well, we're all just children of God. Everybody everywhere is a children of God. Um, that is not true. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to offend nobody, but Jesus told Jews that you are of your father, the devil. And just so you know, father God, father devil, different. Was that, was that too deep? Are we okay? Okay. Different. And you guys are laughing, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of the body of Christ that actually thinks like God and the devil are the same people. It just depends on which side of the bed he wakes up on. Well, God will heal you. God will give you cancer. You need to differentiate your gods. The God of this world, Satan, will give you cancer. The God that we know as Father God is a devil-destroying, cancer-destroying machine. Make sure that you get that right. But Jesus told Jews who were haughty and pious because they were of Abraham, that they were of their father, the devil. He did not call Abraham the devil. 
He was calling their belief systems and their lack of coming to him, being willing to die the same death that he he, uh, died and be resurrected with the same resurrection that he had. That was what kept them in the generation, in the DNA of carnality or of Satan. And I don't care how good a person is. I don't care how much makeup they wear. I don't care how soft they talk. If you don't die and be born again, you are still of the lineage of the generation of Satan. You can't be catechized into it. You can't be uh, circumcised into it. You can't beat yourself up enough. You can't make yourself feel terrible. You don't get it when you join membership with a church. It just doesn't that way. It's not osmosis because you're around a bunch of Christians. It rubs off on you. It, you don't get it um, because uh, your your parents were Christians. It wasn't passed down to you by hand-me-down underwear from your big brother. None of those things that people think that this comes this way. You have to come to the cross Realize your need for the cross. Go to that cross and die on that cross through Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. And then allow the Father God to be your God, be your Father and his resurrection. That is it. I mean, there's, I would love to tell you that there's some other kind of shortcut. But to me, like that's the shortest cut ever. Because I don't actually have to go to the cross. Jesus did that. Amen. All that other stuff, beating yourself up and terrorizing yourself and self-mutilation and, and self-condemnation and guilt and shame and beating yourself up, all, you know, because that's what religion does. It tries to beat you into shape. The problem is you beat on something long enough, it doesn't get into shape, it gets broke. <laughs> and that's what happens when folks go to religion. But when you go to humility and submission to what Jesus has done... You don't get beat into shape, you die. And you get resurrected in his shape as he is, so are we in this world. Amen. These things seek the natural people of this planet because they don't have a father. They have no choice but to provide for themselves. If you are in here and you think that it is your responsibility to provide for yourself, then you are not allowing your father to father you. He's not mad. He's not upset. He's not, you know, swearing at you from heaven or anything like that. But he does want to do that. And I can assure you that your father can take way better care of you than you can. That was, that was alright. That was alright. I'll let it, I'll let it simmer. My father's got a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms. He's got a big, big yard. And we're not going to play football anymore because the NFL is a wreck. Bunch of commies. <laughs> going back to the scriptures. But rather, seek you. In uh, Matthew's version of this, this same uh, discourse that the Lord was using, he said, seek first. Seek first. I haven't found anywhere in the scriptures where it says, seek second. But we think it's like insinuated. 
Well, you know, Jesus said seek first, but you know, we have to do the second thing. Because we're list people, right? You, you get your grocery list out. You say, okay, seek first the kingdom. Check. I did that from 7.55 to 8. All right. Now, seek money, food, water, housing, bill money, and some play money. Go to work for 10 hours. Uh, check. All right. Now I did that. All right. So now I need to relax. So I'm going to sit in front of the demon box and I'm going to let them channel spirits into me. About four hours. How's that sound? Four hours? Let's go for five. And then you can pass out on the couch. <laughs> Check. You, you didn't seek first. You seek first the kingdom. That's your day. Pastor. Somebody's got to work. I know. Believe it or not, God knows that. I know. Sometimes he's really flippant about the things that are important. He knows what needs to happen in your life. But you can go to work and provide for yourself, or you can go to work and seek his kingdom there, and then he still gets to do that cool part where he gets to be father. And the difference from the outside is, doesn't look any different. It's two people going to a job. The attitude, the anticipation, and the expectation on those two, two different universes. Two different universes. And those of you that have embraced this know what I'm talking about. And some of the other ones that want to embrace that, it's, God's not holding you back. He actually can do supernatural things in your crummy job. <laughs> but rather seek, seek first, the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. That's a promise. And I know sometimes we say like promise in the Bible, but not like a real promise. I don't know who you know that you trust their promises. But if you know anybody that you trust their promises more than this, I don't know what to do for you. Because if you think some man is more faithful than God... It is going to be a long, terrible, arduous life ahead of you. Man fails. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of Man that he should break covenant. And all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. What did Pastor Ryan say? Love and fear are working as antithesis activities in your heart. Perfect love casts out fear. If there's any fear in your life, then at least recognize that you have not allowed the love of God to work into your heart in that area. And, and I'm not saying this to make anybody feel bad. But I'm just saying, if there's fear of any kind in you, and fear has many faces, insecurity, 
trepidation, lack of courage, lack of boldness, um, confusion. It has many faces, but if these things are in your life, and I, I, I'm for real, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm just saying that you have not allowed the Lord to perfect His love in that area, because perfected love casts out. Cast out. Listen, cast out is like. When you know that the God of heaven loves you, and then the enemy comes and says, I'm going to make you sick, it's like, whoop! And he's done, like, hey, 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 wrong house. And don't even go to the neighbors, because that's within shouting distance. I, I had a, I had like a, I don't know, a day vision, daydream or whatever. I was sitting in my office one day. And I was like, I was studying, I was getting really feisty because Proverbs 28.1 says that the righteous are bold as a lion. And Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I was thinking like, I, <laughs> that made, I think weird. <laughs> Maybe I think spiritual. Maybe you're weird. Yeah, I'm normal. I'm going to go with that. So I was thinking normal, and I imagined, I was in the spirit, and I imagined the gathering demoniac and all the demons that were in him, about 3,000 or 6,000, depending on whose opinion you go with. He either had 3,000 demons or 6,000 or somewhere in between. And I imagined the gathering demoniac being totally demonized, and then Jesus stepping off the boat. And I was in the spirit, and I seen like these 6,000 demons go, Ah, oh, crap. Because <laughs> I was in the spirit. I don't know what you're in. And I seen Jesus, like, in the spirit, kind of do that, like, Clint Eastwood, like... <laughs> and then the... If you remember the story, the gathering demoniac ran and threw himself at Jesus' feet. So I don't care how many demons you're possessed with, you still have the you still have the choice that you can make to go to the feet of Jesus. Amen. 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 And the the part that was that was comical for me, I was like, I wonder which one of those demons because when because Jesus started to uh, obviously work his amazing supernatural wonders in this situation. I wonder which one of the demons had to answer him. Don't you know they were drawing straws on that deal? (laughs) Who's going to talk to him? Not me. Not me. Not me. Hey, you, scrawny. Get out there and say something. I ain't saying nothing. And I was was just thinking, and I know, uh, this is one of the reasons I'm a happy person. These are the kind of thoughts I have when I'm in my office (laughs) watching demons squirm. And I was I was kind of playing this thing out in my mind and and imagining it. And the father interrupted my my cool head cartoon. And he said, What are they which uh which demon is excited about coming to your house? And I was sitting in my office and I kind of leaned back in my chair and I'm like there ain't a demon in the universe that wants to come to the castle house. That's right. 
Could you imagine Satan? You know, his kingdom is filled with confusion. Yeah. A lot, and this is shocking to a lot of people because the, the people think that the devil's like got it all figured out. Like everything is completely like it's the most organized military system in the universe. But you, he is the author of confusion. He's the author of rebellion. Even if he did have like a military leader, don't you know that would be in rebellion? Like, I'm not doing that. Well, I'm the boss. No, you're not. <laughs> it's like an ongoing fun thing. Anyway, I have lots of interesting thoughts. And so I was, I literally had this, so I flipped from this gathering demoniac over to this imagination of like, I was, I was looking into hell and I seen Satan and he's like, you. Go to the castle house. I <laughs> seen this demon. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> and so he's like, bah! and he got mad, and that demon ran off. And then he's, you go to the castle house. He said, uh uh-uh. uh. Not me. And this just played out for a while. And I was like, man, if I really understood what Satan understood, if I just had equal revelation that Satan had. I would be twice as bold. When I walk into it, Bob says this all the time, you're the scariest thing in the room. But I've actually had, like the Lord's actually pulled the sheet back sometimes where I've actually walked into a room and I've scanned a room. And it happens every once in a while when I'm up here. And I'll see things not in the natural. And I'll, I'll see the quiver in, in those lies and deceptions that are taking place in people's hearts. Amen. When I'm releasing truth and I see it, like, hold on. Like, some of those lies and deceptions try to hold on. And then I, just so you guys know, when I see something like that, that's when I'm, like, pounding something. Because I'm like, what? take that, you jerk. Killing lies, killing deception. Think about light versus dark. How much light does it take? To defeat dark. Any amount. Any amount. You, whatever you think the, the massive size of your problems are. It's one flicker of a match, y'all. One flicker of a match. You think that those demons and those devils are really strong. You think those lies are really strong. You think that sickness and that disease is just really hard to defeat. You think that that poverty and that lack, since you've had it all this time, it's just like it's, you're going to have it for the rest of your life. You think that. God don't think that. Amen. And the devil knows that ain't true. Amen. And so he's trying to convince you to embrace it. Feed unto you according to your faith. It is your Father's good pleasure. Fear not. Because it is your father's good pleasure. Do you want to give your father pleasure? Yes. Do you want to give him good pleasure? Yes. Then let him, let him give you the kingdom. The king's dominion. That's kingdom. King's dominion. He's the only king. Jesus is the only king ever. That completely, by conquest, rules 
and reigns in the entire universe and then is looking for every opportunity to give you the scepter. Complete opposite to every other king that has ever existed. Because they want to rise to power so that they are the one in charge. Jesus rose to power so he could give you the kingdom. That's your king. Matthew 6.33 in the Amplified, but first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his righteousness. (gasps) We have the Amplified? Bonus. We didn't have that last week. The kingdom grows. (laughs) It's amazing the things that are interesting to me. We got a new Bible version on the screen. Amen. I need more hobbies. But first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom and his right. Remember, righteousness, change it to rightness. His kingdom, his rightness, not your version of right, because <laughs> it's jacked up. In the world's version of right, you, you can't pick a bathroom. Yeah. Oh, praise God. Somehow I just, I always just slip down there. Praise Jesus. His way of being right. His way. Not your way. I just read a statistic, literally, uh, in the last couple of days. Barna survey, there's a, there's a thing called a biblical worldview. That means that your view of the world is based on biblical truth. And I know everybody in the room is like, that's me. No, it ain't. Barna says 6%. 6%. Well, I'm in the 6%. Oh, God bless you. You're, you're awesome. 6% of America, which I get it, only 50% of America says that they're Christian. Um, but 6% of America literally say they have a biblical worldview. That means 6% of people believe that what God says is right is what they say is right. There are preachers that promote abortion. I know them. There are preachers that, that promote um, transgenderism. And I, and I mean, I have, I, I have met these folks. I have done stuff, like, not stuff, like ministry, ecumenicalism is what it's called. I've done things with some of these preachers, and I'm, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I cannot figure it out. How you can, okay, easy. (laughs) I, I can't figure it out where it comes from, but the reality is, is that you realize that for 94% of America, I'm the one. That's a an ignoramus. Him with that old-fashioned religious worldview, thinking that people are supposed to be married and stuff. I know, crazy. Six percent has a biblical worldview. That means six percent are seeking after what God says is right. Okay. And there, here's the reason I wanted to illuminate that. That means that 
Statistically, there's at least one person in this room. I know we're a cool church. And I know we're, we're that church. But statistically, one of you do, do not seek after the right that God says is right. Now, I want you to just chew on it. I'm not saying it's you. Don't raise your hand. But if that's possible, that maybe somebody in this room, then it could be possible that anybody in this room could have it just a little bit twisted. You know, the devil does this thing called wickedness. And it sounds like this terrible word, but wickedness just means twisted. If you have a wicker chair, it means that it's made out of twisted wood. And he, he just twists it just enough. Like, well, you, you know Kay loves you, Steve, but she did that thing. Oh, just a little twist on it. Well, you know God loves you, but he does want you to suffer a little bit. I mean, he can't just, just a little suffering in the natural. You, you, you have to get this. It was the enemy coming to Adam and Eve. Oh, hey, hey, I mean, yeah, God is great. He's awesome. You know, he's done some great things, wonderful things for you. Look at the beauty of this garden. And, and, and all of this, hey, have you noticed that tree in the center? You know what that's about. Well, God said leave that one alone. Oh, yeah. uh, he didn't tell you? That, that tree specifically is the one that gives you his kind of knowledge of good and evil. So maybe he just doesn't think you're ready for it yet. But just so you know, you know, you got freedom. You can go and have some. I want you to think about this. The devil enticed Adam and Eve to be more like God. Where'd he learn that from? That was his fault. That was his failure. What Lucifer did was Lucifer wanted to exalt his throne above that, which is the throne of God. In other words, he wanted to be more right than God. So then he goes and passes this on to Adam and Eve. Hey, do do you want to have the same kind of wisdom about good and evil like your father? Well, I, I sure do. Well, here's the shortcut. Just eat the fruit. Don't let him father you into it. Just eat the fruit. So this will make me more like God real quick. I'll take it. It's, it's just a little wicked. He didn't come to them and say, hey, commit adultery. With who? <laughs> hey, you should steal. It, we, it, we own it all. You should lie. <laughs> About what? <laughs> I seen a double-headed giraffe. Uh, what, what would be the point? He, you realize he didn't come to him with like the big ten. Just said, hey, I mean, there's this tree. I know God said not to touch it, but 
That's, that's Adam and Eve not seeking His rightness. It was them seeking their rightness. It's like, well, you know what science has said. You know, I mean, right? I mean, really, honestly, nobody can live in the belly of a fish for three days. So I don't think that's a real story in the Bible. And you're telling your kids. But, by the way, on Easter, there's bunnies that lay eggs. <laughs> and on Christmas, a fat guy goes down your chimney, even if he ain't got a chimney. But really, the flood... His way of doing and being right. The attitude and character of God. The attitude and character of God. The attitude of God. I used this last night. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And I asked that crowd, I'm like, Where is the Spirit of God not? And they did what you did. <laughs> By definition, God is omnipresent. So if the verse says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, that means there's freedom everywhere. <laughs> and there's not. There's people in this room that are in bondage. So it's, freedom's not everywhere that the Spirit is. Remember that there, there's two definitions to Spirit. Spirit can mean, obviously, the actual spirit person of the Holy Spirit, but it can also mean attitude. All the cheerleaders in the room understand attitude and spirit because they said, hey, we got spirit, how about you? We got spirit, yes, we do. And they don't mean like, hey, we have a spirit person, it looks like the Holy Spirit. No, they mean there's an attitude that they possess. This attitude of win, or this attitude of, you know, go team go, or whatever. That, that is what that scripture is using. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. When you have the attitude of God, when you are thinking like God, you are thinking from a place of freedom and liberty. If you are not thinking like God, you are probably thinking in lack, or destruction, or, or bondage, or, because that is the natural state of this world. Man, I could say a lot about that. And all these things will be given to you also. I'm going to go to Mark 9, starting in verse 33. And he, this is Jesus, came to Capernaum. Capernaum was like headquarters for Jesus. The, the Jesus Christ Evangelistic Association was headquarters out of Capernaum. And he came to Capernaum and being in the house. In the ISV version, in the CEV version, and uh, I, either the message or the passion, I can't remember which one. It says, and they were in his house. His Jesus. And I know this is going to mess with all your religion, but Jesus had a house. Well, I thought he was like a fox without a hole. Okay, this is because your religion is telling you that Jesus is really super poor and he was barely scraping crumbs off the ground so he could survive from one day to the next. God bless you. Your, your broken preacher, your past broken preacher has convinced you that the God 
of golden streets lived in poverty on this earth while he was doing what his father said. In other words, while Jesus was seeking first the kingdom, God didn't provide everything for him. But he's telling you if you do, then he'll provide everything for you. Do you see where we come up with this unbelief? We literally get it sometimes in church. Jesus had a house. It was actually a really nice house. It was so nice that when it was filled with people and he was ministering with it, there was people that climbed up on the top of the house and took the roof off and lowered somebody down in the middle of it, and Jesus didn't even get mad. If you come to Steve's house, <laughs> use the doorbell. I'll heal you. <laughs> and by me, he through me. Don't take my roof off, unless you're going to put on a steel roof. And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, what was it that you disputed among yourselves, by the way? This is so awesome, Jesus. So here's the backstory: The disciples, while they were headed back to headquarters to probably go chill and eat and maybe get a nap or whatever, while they were headed there and they thought Jesus was out of earshot, the 12 of them were arguing about who was going to be like the the leader, (laughs) the chief, who was going to be the senior pastor. And they thought Jesus couldn't hear. Uh, Hey, all you complaining people, oh, not you guys, you guys are awesome. All you complaining people out there in YouTube land, yeah, Jesus hears. And so he's, and this is also something interesting because we think like, in fact, Kay just asked me this the other day. She goes, I have a question for you, but I don't want to wait for Q&A. And I'm up there on the stage with you during Q&A. I can't ask a question. I'm like, you live with me. <laughs> she knows that, right? Okay. So she's like, if God doesn't remember our sins and our iniquities no more, then How is it that he kind of deals with us based upon those things? And it's a a simple concept because he he doesn't look at us based upon any of the failures or the mistakes that are in our natural lives or in our souls. But he fathers us into the reality of who we are in the Spirit. You know, I can see my kids based upon what I know their prophetic destinies are, whether they're living there or not. So your father can father you into things and not necessarily have any knowledge or memory of your sins and your iniquities. You know, that which is, we can't really honestly think that way. We think we did something wrong and so God's going to drop the hammer. Because that's how we roll. But God doesn't roll the way we roll. He always sees us as the finished work of Christ. And if something in our life and our attitude, our behaviors and and how we're living our life, if it doesn't get there, then he fathers us into that because that's what it's, that's the real. And Jesus knows the little complaining, secret conversation, all that stuff. He knows all that stuff. And every once in a while, if it's necessary, he'll put his finger on something. So with the disciples, he's like, hey, what were y'all chatting about? Who? You heard that? No. You remember that I'm God. (laughs) My Father tells me everything. Amen. Now that somebody's thinking like, oh my gosh, God heard what I said on the way to 
on the way to church to my wife. Yeah, you heard that. And he's telling me right now. <laughs> but they, this is cool. But they held their peace. Hey, what were you all talking about on the way over here? <gasps> if we hold still enough, maybe he won't notice that we're still here. <laughs> they held their peace. For by the way, they had disputed, and the word dispute doesn't mean like they were in a fist fight. It just means that they were debating. They had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. <laughs> I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall for this conversation. <laughs> you could, like some of them, uh, I don't know, you probably, probably nobody in the room can name all 12 of the apostles because it's like Peter, James, and John, like we all know because the scriptures, like they're always doing the cool things. But I can see Thomas saying, well, hold on a minute. I got a reason I should be. And everybody's like, Thomas, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> we know it ain't you. <laughs> Andrew, you only got like two verses. You're not the leader. Like you could, but I want you to think, like, what were they measuring by? What's the stick that they were using to measure by? What is the stick you're using? Well, here's what, here's what I did today, God. You should promote me a little bit. God's like, oh, aren't you cute? You did that? Oh, bravo. That's awesome. He, he doesn't measure the way you measure. This is the reason that he was pointing this out. is because they had their reasonings. Now, this is the disciples. They spent time with Jesus. And they had their reasonings. Why? They each probably thought they all had their own arguments. They each thought that they should probably be like the leader. And he sat down. I want you to see this. He sat down. This is, this is Jesus being Jesus. He didn't like, you bunch of... He sat down, called the twelve, and said unto them, If any man desires to be first, the same shall be last of all. Anybody know what all means in the Greek? All. And... That's a conjunction. Servant. This word servant is diakonos, which is the word for minister. Minister of all. You know, we use term minister to like, to highlight someone. This is Minister Josiah. Oh, he got promoted. No, he got demoted. Pastor Steve doesn't mean the high thing, it's the low thing. I'm the lowest in the church. Sometimes I feel like it. it it's, it's not like you eventually can work your way up the corporate ladder of the kingdom. In the kingdom, no ladder. There's a cross... If you're really smart, you'll work your way up to a death and then live dead. You live dead to you and alive unto God. Now it doesn't matter what your place is. 
if God wants you to scrub the toilets. Scrubbing toilets for Jesus greater than owning a private jet for Playboy. Anybody? But that's not... Yeah, but I mean, it's a private jet. Yeah, and you're destroying people's lives. And this is one of those conversations that I just don't get. I've had so many people say, well, you know, those preachers, some of those TV preachers, they got jets. They go lots of places. I ride on jets. And I can tell you, I wish I owned one. Especially now. They're trying to do all the COVID crap to you. Put me in a fist fight with some of those folks at TSA. If I want to take my pocket knife to Honduras, I'll take my pocket knife. I'm not going to stab anybody on the plane. I'm a stinking preacher. <laughs> they do not get it. That's why I need a jet. <laughs> Jesus. They, amen. These folks just don't get it. Steve Castle using a jet to plant a church in Kumiyagua, Honduras, is something that my father greatly desires. Playboy. Owning one of the wealthiest, most decorative jets ever made. That's okay by the world standard. Folks that say, I can't believe that preacher has a jet. Do you know who the largest privately held air fleet of planes is owned by? Budweiser. And Azar Bush or whoever owns them now. They're the largest privately held air fleet. And the same person that would condemn the preacher with a jet to go preach the gospel and set thousands, tens of thousands of people free wouldn't even give a rip that Budweiser owns a fleet of jets to go make alcoholics that abuse their wives and children. Don't care at all. Because that's real work. I've actually had people come up to me, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm a pastor. Oh. Did you ever have a real job? Right. Nope. <laughs> Just been a beggar my whole life. Because pastor in a church isn't a real job. <laughs> and he took a child and set him in the midst and when he had taken him into his arms, and I, he said unto them, Whoever shall receive one of such children. Now, it's kind of awkward in the King James. Whoever receives one like or of this child. In my name, remember name means character, honor, essence, authority, value. 
in my name receives me. Jesus, take, Jesus takes it very, very personal how you treat his people. Anybody remember Paul on the road to Damascus? Just so you know, Jesus showed up on that road to kill Saul. And Saul repented. Jesus takes it personal. Do you remember what he said to Saul? He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? When you do folk, when you do folks a bad way, when you do things to people, you're not actually doing it to them. Those of you that have to get revenge on folks and on your ex and all those people at work that do the thing and stuff, when you get revenge on them, you're not actually getting it on them. You're doing it to Jesus. Carry on. I mean, do what you got to. I mean, he's going to die anyway. He was beat to a pulp and bled out for the whole world. You might as well just go ahead and put a couple more blows on. I mean, one more doesn't matter. Go on and get your go and get your revenge and and treat those people. Give those people at work what they deserve. You repay them evil for evil. That'll learn them. That's right. The problem is, they're not receiving it. You're doing it in His name. Amen. Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receives me. And whoever shall receive me receives not me, but him that sent me. Oh, Jesus took it up to the Father. Hmm. You know, when, when you reject Jesus, you're not just rejecting Jesus. When you accept Jesus, you're not just accepting Jesus. It's the unique thing about the Trinity. And I know a lot of folks, they think like Jesus is the good version of God. Holy Spirit is like, I don't even know what to do with that part of God. And then God the Father is like the mean one. Right? Like you got good cop, bad cop. Jesus is good cop. The Father is bad cop. And working together, they'll get you worked up. Right? It's like Stephen K. (laughs) The kids are in trouble. Do you want me to discipline you or your father? You, Ma. (laughs) Anybody remember that? When I was a, when we were kids, mom, God bless mom, she weighs like 57 pounds soaking wet. And we'd do something dumb, and Kay, and mom, Kay, mom would say, uh, do you want me to spank you or your father? Oh, gee, I don't know. The 57 pound woman that can't even swing a branch? We'll take that. It was funny, she'd spank us, and we'd be like, ah! Ah! Ah, terrible. Oh, mom, stop. It's so painful. And she'd be like, I'm sorry. Are you okay? I can't believe you did that. She's, she's so loving that even her kids manipulated her. Not me. I was a good kid. It was my brothers. Those guys are terrible. In Matthew 18.4, he said the same thing. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child. There's a big word. The same as the greatest in the kingdom. Pride, 
P-R-I-D-E. Pride is anything with I in the middle. P-R is to promote I. P-R-I, promote I. And then the I-D-E is I debased. Because that's the same thing as pride. You hear people say, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm just so stupid and I can't figure nothing out. And I'm just, I just, I can never really be successful and I'm ugly and I got two left feet. It's pride. It's still pride. It's just the other end of it. If you're promoting I, we all know that is pride and arrogancy, but you debasing you too. You realize it's the same slap in Jesus' face. Because Jesus made you perfect. Amen. Jesus made you perfect. So every time you insult yourself, you insult Him. Yeah. <laughs> that went over well. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a little story. And by story, I mean an actual account in the Scriptures. About something just like this. I'm going to go to Daniel chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 19. I'm just going to probably read through this, because I cannot honestly like break it down, because if I break it down, it'll be six hours, which would be fun. Amen? Amen. Oh, you liars in church! How dare you? I need some holy water and sprinkle all over. Verse 19. Now, backdrop, Nebuchadnezzar was probably, outside of Solomon, was probably the wealthiest and most influential and uh, largest kingdom that had ever existed on the planet, probably to this day. The kingdom of Babylon, as it relates to percentage of world domination in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, is there's no equivalency to it in today's world. Nebuchadnezzar is probably the most powerful, maybe potentially the most powerful human being that has ever lived. And wealth and all the things that went with that. This is radical. Daniel himself called Nebuchadnezzar the king of kings. Daniel said that. It's in the scriptures. So for Daniel to say that he was the king of kings, like, this is a big deal. So Nebuchadnezzar who was not a godly man, not a Jew, ruler of Babylon, wicked wicked nation, and potentially wicked king. He had good days and bad days, just like any other leader. And he, God would basically speak and lead him through dreams and visions, which is one of the reasons that Daniel ended up, and, Matt, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they rose up in places of influence, and authority in the kingdom because they would hear from God and they would influence the things that was going on in that nation through God talking to Nebuchadnezzar. And there's a ton of stuff that I would love to say about that, but I can't. But that's a reality that uh, those of you that think that that the church should stay out of government and stay out of this and stay out of that, you need to take Daniel out of your Bible. It just doesn't exist in your body. There's no reason for it to be in there because the entire story of Daniel was him influencing four kingdoms. <laughs> Shocking. 
Then Daniel, uh, so uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and so I'm going to pick up Daniel interpreting the dream for Nebuchadnezzar because none of the other quote-unquote wise people, which were sorcerers, could interpret the dream. Verse 19, then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was dismayed for a while, and his thoughts alarmed him. And the king, which is Nebuchadnezzar, said unto him, Belshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation alarm you. Balthazar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. This is radical, and I don't have time to... Daniel actually loved and served an ungodly king in an ungodly kingdom because he did it as unto the Lord. And I'll tell you what, I wish a bunch of Christians understood this as it relates to how they did their jobs and their businesses. Man. I cannot develop that because I have to do other things. But that is, I pray you meditate on that later on and repent. The tree you saw, and, the, and he's going into his, his dream, so, so imagine... The tree you saw, which grew and became strong, so that the top of it reached to heaven. That's a big deal. And it was visible to the ends of the whole earth. So this tree was so big that the top of it was touching the heavens. And no matter where you stood in inhabited world, you could see this tree. That's a big tree. The tree which you saw which grew and became strong so that its top reached to the heaven and it was visible to the end of the whole earth whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and it and in which was food for all under which beasts of the field found shade and in the and in whose branches the birds of the heavens lived it the tree is you O king Who have grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven. And your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, just so you know, parallel in the New Testament, we are the watchers, we are the holy ones. The king saw a watcher, a holy one, come down from heaven. Where are you right now? You're not at 216 West Mason, Lena, Illinois. You are there also. You are also in heaven. You have been translated out of the kingdom of this world into the kingdom of his dear son. You are right now seated in heavenly places. And you are seated at 216 West Mason. You concurrently are in two places. You are awesome. (laughs) Now I get people interested in my message. You're awesome. Yeah, preach it. What would you say before that? Your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, 
chop down the tree and destroy it. Uh, we should have more influence than we do. We should see things that are wrong. And as watchers and holy ones, we should start declaring into what needs to happen. Amen. Chop down this tr- the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field, and let him be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven periods of time pass over him. Seven, okay, this, uh, the book of Daniel is written in Aramaic. It's not written in Hebrew. And in Aramaic times, um, which is translated like in King James years or uh, in different versions years, Times actually was just talking about a specific time. It could have been a year. It could have been a second. But it was just a moment of time. The reason I'm, I'm illustrating, the reason I'm taking time to do this, even though it's going to put me off track, is because God was giving uh, Nebuchadnezzar the choice of the, of the seven times. Seven means perfected times. Because of Nebuchadnezzar's choice, it ended up being years. I believe that he could have had seconds, or minutes, or hours, seven hours. I mean, that'll learn you. But Nebuchadnezzar, because of his pride and his arrogancy, ended up in years. What I'm saying is the Bible didn't say years. It just said times, cycles of time. You, we get to choose... Let me go back to this. Until seven periods of time pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. It is a decree of the Most High, which has come upon the Lord, my Lord, the king. Then you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and you shall be wet with the dew of heaven, and seven periods of time shall pass over you. Till you know, check this out, till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. How does he rule the kingdoms of heaven or the kingdoms of men? By giving it to whom he wills. That's how he rules. You need to get this. God is not in heaven like some puppet master pulling all the strings on things. God, as a father, is speaking to his children on earth to do the things that he wants them done. He was, believe it or not, God actually was influencing the earth through Nebuchadnezzar. I know you're thinking like, no way, God would only use really holy people. Hey, just so you know, church... Because the church won't do some stuff in America, God had to tap some folks. I don't think Trump's a very good Christian. But when God tapped him to do some things, he actually did it. Because the Christians are arguing over the color of the carpets. 
And whether we should be charismaniacs or whether we should not have charismaniacs. Whether we should sing hymns. We just were with the... Where's Ryan? There he is. Hey. He did awesome last night. We were just with another worship pastor that they, he was part of three different churches and they were literally having a war in some of these churches over hymns or contemporary music. And I know you're thinking like, no way. <laughs> yeah, way. People, that's how the body of Christ is. And so God has to come along and say, fine, whatever. Trump, lead the nation. The church ain't doing a ripping thing. And then the church says, Trump, he says mean things on tweets. You guys are killing each other over hymns or contemporary music. And you're going to judge him? God uses people like this to do the things that He needs done. Because the church won't. And I'm not going to be a part of that system anymore. When the Father taps me to do some stuff, I'm going to do it. Man, you're welcome to come with me. Therefore, O King, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins... By practicing righteousness. He, Daniel literally in the interpretation of this dream gets to the end of it and then preaches to him. And says, listen, you get to determine how good or bad this is going to be, bro. I'm encouraging you. Do the right thing. This is a radical dream. It's a radical interpretation. I get it. It's not... It's not flowers and rainbows and Jesus. This is coming down because God has declared it. It's been decreed. But you get to choose the intensity of how bad this is going to be or how good this is going to be. Here's how you can choose. Break off. (laughs) Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed. That there may perhaps be a lengthening... Of your prosperity. Shocking. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. Now check this out. At the end of 12 months. So he got the dream. And the interpretation. And it radically changed him so much. That he continued the exact same way for 12 more months. And I know you guys are laughing because when God comes to you and says, hey, I need you to deal with some stuff, you get right on it. (laughs) Now the laughing just... He didn't change. And it's easy for us to read the scriptures and say, well, I mean, that Nebuchadnezzar, he was a dope. Anyway, pass the fifth piece of cake. Hey, maybe you shouldn't have five pieces of cake. Hey, 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 talk to me in 12 months. Are you getting this? Like, this is radical. He had to go, go to the prophet, get the interpretation, get this, this interpretation that's like, hey, this is terrible stuff, but you can do all these good things. And maybe these bad things won't happen to you. Well, anyway, thanks, preacher. Good message. What's on the boob tube? For 12 months. Now, here's the, and I'm putting this in there, and you can do whatever you want. Maybe you can say it's not in the Bible. That's fine. Uh, I'm telling you that I know God enough to know 
that God didn't just say, here's the thing, and then left him do his own thing for 12 months. I can assure you that the father was working with his heart every hour of every day of 365 days of 12 months. Hey, man, don't. Please. Please. Let's get out of this so that we can make the seven cycles of time, maybe not years. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built, by my mighty power, as a royal residence, and for the glory of my majesty? I know everybody in here is like, man, that guy, woo. Really? How about your house? How about your car? How about your job? Let me let me make it. Let me let me go right for the kisser. <laughs> How about your kids? They're yours. They're your kids. They're not God's kids. They're your kids. That's why you can turn them into brats. You can do whatever you want because they're yours. You don't actually have any accountability to God for what you do with them or how you treat them because they're yours. And God forbid Pastor Steve should come to you and say, hey, maybe you should do this with how you parent your children. Shut up. I quit the church. How dare him talk to me about pastoring my kids? How dare the pastor talk to me about pastoring my kids? Who's he think he is? How about your money? Man, I can't stand them preachers. All they want is your money. <laughs> right. On your way into the Walmart, that all they want is your money. But you're okay with the Walmart only wanting your money. God forbid the preacher should say anything about how to handle your finances. And... God forbid anybody ever comes to you and say, hey, you know you go eight hours a day and go do something you don't want to do. Do it for somebody you don't want to do it for to produce something that you don't give a rip about, but you need your money. Because it's yours. So I know we're ready to condemn Nebuchadnezzar for being an arrogant jerk. But what's the difference? Of how we look at our life and we do our our schedule, our calendar, our family, our car, our money, our, our, our. And we're going to condemn him. Because he just did it vocally, we do it internally. My job parenting my children was to stop being their parent as quickly as I could to get them to the father. That was my job. And if someone came up to me and they said, hey, your kids, whatever, and they were under the, ins- <laughs> the inspiration of God, I'd go and deal with them about it. It, it is shocking to me, especially in this realm, about, like, kids... How you have no right whatsoever to ever talk to anybody about their kids. Because it's theirs. 
And I want you to get this. You know the reason that the enemy has talked you into that? It's so that nobody can come to you and tell you what the Father is saying to you as a kid. Because you're the only one smart enough to do your kids. And so therefore, nobody can come to you and tell you what the Father is saying to you as a kid. That's why. I literally, there are people in this room that are literally destroying their children. And I can't say a word. Not a word. Because they'll quit the church. And so I'd rather have them stay here and hopefully they get it by osmosis than me actually say something to them. Because I'd rather have them be here. And maybe they'll pick up on it. But I'm watching people literally abuse their children. Spiritual abuse. And I can't say a word. And it's not just here. I mean, I see it all the time. And we think, remember what I started with the enemy, how you just twist something a little bit? Well, I'm just making my child happy. I'm just loving my child. Better be careful how you define those terms. My kingdom. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven. O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. It took 12 months for that voice to be audible. (laughs) To you it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men. And your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox. And seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know, until you know, until you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. How long do you want this cycle to play out in your life? Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men, ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heavens till his hair grew as long as eagles' feathers, and his nails were like the bird's claws. At the end of the days, I... You know who's writing? Daniel chapter 4. Yeah, this guy. Who went from the pinnacle of pride... I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven. He finally understood what my and I needs to do. It needs to lift up to him. And my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdoms endure from generations to generations. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, What have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. It sounds like he's using the same arrogant language, but the difference is now he knows where it came from. God wants you to have glory. 
But He wants you to have glory given to you by Him. Not glory that you think that you get to earn on your own. He wants you to have His glory, not yours. My counselors and my Lord sought me and I was established in my kingdom and still more greatness was added to me. What? God gave him more after he mucked up the first lot? It's amazing what God will do when someone truly humbles themselves. Truly. Not like that fake humility. Oh, pastor, I honor you. You're awesome. You do know I can see through that, right? Like, you're the only one that knows when you're being plastic that nobody else knows that you're being plastic because the rest of us know you're being plastic. Nobody amen that. I didn't expect them to. (laughs) Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol the honor and honor the King of Heaven. For all of His works are right and His ways are just. And those who walk in pride, He is able to humble Talk about an understatement. Being forced to learn humility by circumstances is humiliation. Being forced to learn humility through circumstances is humiliation. Being willing to choose to be humble is exalting. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians 2. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself, made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he, Jesus, humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore? Because Jesus was willing to go through all those verses of humility. This is why God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he's Lord. The reason that every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ is because he did all of this amazing humility. He's Lord because He was the most humble of all. He's not Lord because He had the biggest biceps. Because His dad was was the cool guy. He's Lord because He humbled Himself like nobody else had ever humbled Himself. And then God said, man, if I can trust Him with that depth of humility, I can trust Him to rule the universe. You want to know what I'm looking for as a leader in the body of Christ? This! God's looking for this! Where people can be trusted with whatever He gives them and do it the way that He wants it done. God doesn't give a rip how much money you have. What He cares about is how much money it takes to have you. And I'm telling you, I've been there. Where I did the big, cool, secular job. The corporate job with the title. And they owned me. I know what it's like. And I know sometimes what the cost is. 
God doesn't care what you have. He cares what has you. I have to be done. Peter says that we should be clothed with humility. And the greatest thing you could be called in the kingdom is humble. It's the greatest thing. But it's also one of the hardest things. Because it means you don't matter. And that's completely contrary to how you've been raised. And even, God bless your parents, raising you to, like, you're the little princess and you're the most important thing ever. And God says you're the most important thing ever by trading Jesus to get you. And then you're supposed to have this realization that you're not the most important thing ever and make everyone else in your life the most important thing ever. So he can trust you with what's really important. Now you know why Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride comes contention. And I believe that you're being completely set free. I want to... I think there are some folks in this room that are willing in this moment that you are going to recant that. And maybe you're there. I don't know. This is between you and the Father. But I do know something about pride that you can't secretly deal with pride. And so I'm going to pray for folks that are that are willing to acknowledge that there's either a lot or a little of this working in their lives. And I don't want anybody to feel any kind of pressure whatsoever in the natural. I only want the Father in your heart based upon these things. This is super tenuous. Those of you that have been here a long time, I don't do this very often. But I'm going to ask you to stand if this is something that you know that you need to let your Father work out of you so you can be that person that He can trust to do those things. And maybe you're already, you're there. I, I'm, I'm not saying that if a person's sitting down that they're being some kind of selfish jerk. I'm just saying that I know that there are people that really actually need to publicly let that pride get slapped in the face. And um, literally acknowledge that these are things that you know are in you and they need to be worked out. And I, honestly, I'm telling you that, that it is totally cool for folks to be sitting because maybe you've been on this journey, you've been working this out for a long time, and you've been, and you've been successful at it. And I'm not saying everybody in here is proud. But I want to at least give an opportunity for this. So, Father, and I'm on purpose not even looking around. 
Father, you see these folks that are standing. You know the sincerity. You know the conversations that they were having internally where they thought you couldn't hear. You know the, you know the sincerity, the genuineness, the authenticity of every heart in this place. And to the degree that they're offering things to be consumed in the cleansing fire of your love. Father, I know that you're faithful to do that. And for those folks in this place that are recanting that, that pride, no matter what end of the stick it is, whether it's the arrogant end or the debasing end, Father, I thank you that right now in this, in this, in this moment of sincerity, that you are crucifying that to the cross of our Lord Jesus, who gave us the example of the greatest humility that anyone has ever displayed, laying down divinity to take on humanity. And Father, for those folks in here that are doing that, you see, you see truly, truly what's going on on the inside of them. And I know you're going to father them into a great, great place because that's what you do. Thank you, Father. I ask these things in Jesus' name. All right. Uh, if you're not risen, please rise. I would like to bless you. Thank you so much for sharing a few moments with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his precious, life-changing word. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and at Beloved Church, this is where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, I pray, I desire, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you, and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved.